if you're in the middle of change or change is coming and you're just feeling overwhelmed by it, take the opportunity to really dig in and find out what is it that's hitting you at the core value of that. And if you can align that to a thread narrative, oh, I've been here before. This feels familiar. This will be part of your thread narrative going backwards. You go, yeah, this happened to me again. Now you have an opportunity to look at that, identify it and say, do I want to dance the same dance or can I do something different? Welcome to the Outperform Podcast. My name is Scott Welly. I'm an author, speaker, and the founder of Outperform the Norm, a global movement that helps people achieve peak performance in their personal and professional lives. I've spent my life working with top performers in business as well as athletics, and each week it's my aim and mission to bring you an inspiring person to share their personal stories and insights, or perhaps it'll be a personal message from me, but with one very simple goal in mind, to help you outperform. Your time is precious, and I want to thank you for spending it with me here today. But just one small ask before we get started. If you find value from this podcast, the greatest way that you could possibly thank me would be to head on over to iTunes or whatever your favorite podcast platform happens to be and give it a five-star review. Also share it with somebody that you know that you would like to help outperform so we can all grow this movement together and strive to make the world a healthier, happier, higher performing place. Once again, thank you for being here. And without further ado, let's get started. Robin, welcome to the Outperform Podcast. How are you? I'm doing really well. Thank you so much for taking some time on this cold January day where I am. I don't know where it is where you are, but um, yeah, I'd love to spend some time chatting. Yeah, happy 2022 to you. Happy New Year. Likewise. <laughs> I heard, did you hear the, the little meme about it? It says 2022. When you break it down, it's actually 2022. And I'm hoping that's not the case. <laughs> oh, God. You really want to start the podcast? No, off no. that? Really? You're going to put well, let's that cut this part out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's going to get left on the uh, on the cutting room floor, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, Robin. I am going to ask you the first question that I ask all of my guests. What does it mean to you to outperform and how do you define outperforming in your life? I think probably the easiest way to do it is to just kind of show, do a little show and tell. This is actually something I keep on my desk and it says life begins at the end of your comfort zone. And it's, I use it as a reminder to me about pushing your edge and that aligns to outperform, right? So when I get comfortable, it's time to mix things up a little bit more. So not that comfort is a bad thing, but it's to me, it's if you want to really expand your capacity and your capability, you really have to keep pushing that edge to begin to outperform in whatever area of life uh, that you're in. I 100% agree. Get comfortable being uncomfortable, right? Oh, I like that. Maybe that'll be my new quote. (laughs) (laughs) No, keep yours. Yours is really good. We'll we'll keep that as a mine. Um, So uh, before we dig into that just a little bit more, because uh, I'm fascinated on everything that you do around change, um, can you give the viewers, the listeners, just a little bit of a background on some of the work that you do, kind of where you came from and and how you got to where you are now? Yeah, for sure. So uh, I actually am an author of a recently published book, another show and tell. It's actually called Unfinished Business, How to Make Change Work for You, Not Against You. And um, 
I wrote that book based off of basically 20 years of business consulting, which is my own business that I that I set up. And I work really with business leaders, uh, business owners, people who want to be business leaders and help them navigate any kind of business transformation, uh, change leadership, culture change, some of the biggies, right? So I, I really come alongside and just to help add structure to chaos is probably the easiest way to say it. Mm-hmm. And um yeah, there's been a lot of lessons learned. I threw a lot of that into the book. Interestingly enough, I don't know if you want me to talk about it here, but um, my background is I grew up in the military. So change was part of who I am. I got into my DNA at an early stage. We moved every two years, new schools, new cultures, new language, new you name it. And I happened to do not too bad with it, oddly enough. It sounds like a horror story to many people, but in fact, it was really something that I was able to adapt to very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I decided to make a career out of it. And mm-hmm. that's kind of where I, that, why I got into change as something that I can help. And, and instead of it works with people because frankly, uh, business change is people change. How do you manage the, the people part of change? Mm-hmm. Um, but I put the structure of a business around it because business should be constantly evolving if it wants to remain relevant. So anyway, that's, I hope that's clear. That's just kind of how I got into what I'm doing and, uh, and where I'm going. I wrote the book. I'm actually just now pivoting my own business again onto a uh, digital platform. So I've made e-courses around this book and we'll see where that goes. Yeah, no, I appreciate the background. It's great. And I guess where I actually want to start, I'm going to try to not get too long winded on this, but I do appreciate your background with your dad growing up in the military, you having to move around a lot. One of the things I oftentimes talk about when I speak is, you know, so much of of what we do now in adulthood in our personal and professional lives is embedded in our belief systems, which were established really early on before we even had a say in the matter, uh, good and bad. You know, some of them serve us, some of them don't necessarily. And when we talk about something like change, you know, you obviously had a very positive experience around that. But I'm just curious when you're working with someone or speaking with someone about this, that maybe they didn't have a very good early experience with change. And that's why they just crave this security and not pushing the outer limits of their comfort zone. How do you kind of try to help them understand that, um, that not all change is negative, is threatening, is fearful. And even if your earliest experiences were maybe not positive with change, it can actually work for you instead of against you. Yeah, that's a great question. The reality is I think the default for most humanity is to freak out or to avoid change at all costs. That's our default, right? I think it's actually part of our, our, if you even go back to, you know, early, early days, it's kind of caveman. It's our part of our survival, right? You don't, stay away from change, build security, build safety, security, like it's Maslow's all over the place. So uh, I think that's a fair starting point that I go in, even though I am, I've been called a cheerleader for change. I get it. I mean, I know that it's a scary thing. Here's how I encourage businesses and people to actually move through that. The reality is you cannot control change. Change is a constant. You cannot box it as hard as we try. You cannot box change. It like it will happen eventually, one way or another. A global mm-hmm. pandemic. Let's just say that, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody yeah. had any, nobody saw that coming. Uh, what you can do, though, and here's uh, good for people and for businesses, is you build what I call a bounceability. 
in your own life. So you tool up for the skills that are required to navigate and manage change. Whether you're a business or an individual, the reality is the more confident that you feel in your ability uh, to actually handle stuff coming at you, mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter what comes at you anymore, right? Because you're actually building those tools of you know, flexibility, adaptability, resilience, um, foresight, strategy, um, yeah, creativity. A bunch of these things are required in order for you to be able to hit whatever comes at you and roll with it, right? You know, we all know that we need it, right? I mean, change is the one constant in life. And I used to talk about this well before the pandemic, that whether we're talking about micro levels of change going on in our lives or macro levels of change, like a global pandemic, the fact of the matter is it is omnipresent in our lives and it isn't going anywhere. And I think people to understand that mindset is really, really important. Uh, I want to come back to a question that I asked you in our first conversation when we were talking about some of the okay. um, some of the content that we were going to discuss. And I asked you, I asked you something to the effect of how do you manage change, or do you consider yourself a change management expert? Oh yeah. Do you remember I, how you responded to this? And- I said you. You can't manage it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so elaborate and expand on that just a little bit more. I know. I, and I, again, it actually relates to the previous question. The reality is we'd love to be able to contain it, right? Like mm-hmm. who doesn't want to? And it, uh, so let me just say, on one level, the way that you can contain it is run away from it and then don't deal with it, but eventually it'll catch up to you. So, you know, there are ways to, to get away from it. It doesn't have to do it, but I'm again, a little bit of, you know, push your edge a little bit, mm-hmm. tool up, like find out, like it, there's a little bit of um. so from an individual perspective, there's really a psychology that needs to happen of pay attention to what happens when you, when change comes at you, what's the visceral, like, how do you now, and then go deep into that and say, why am I fearful about that? What is it about that I need? What, am, what is it? And tool up for that. That's the gap that's missing inside of you. Right? So I do that with businesses. What are you doing well today? Where do you want to go? What's the gap that you need to to uh, discover to get there? That's your change. And then you focus in on tooling up in that change area mm-hmm. you'll get to where you want to be, right? So I, I want to say another thing, too, that was really kind of cool about, and this is why you, you've mentioned it a little bit about the mindset thing. Um, kudos to my parents. Father was military, but mother was 100% supporter of it. And every time we moved, my parents did something really a, a gift to both my sister and I, it became an adventure. Right? Mm. So it, it was the mind shift of Oh, my gosh, we're leaving. Oh, there's an adventure coming. Right. And so when you do that mind flip on it and say, I'm up for an adventure, right? What could an adventure in, entail? It's a totally different way of looking at things. And I say that for businesses. I say that for people as well, too. And then that is why I probably have become a bit of a, of a change cheerleader, really, because, my gosh, who doesn't want an adventure? Yeah, I love that. I mean, I, I will often use the term or the label opportunity, but adventure is a great thing, too, because adventure, adventure at least seems more fun. So um, right? kudos to your parents for doing that. I mean, that's. That's not anything that I think we were ever taught as parents, or I'm not sure how they knew to do that, but. um, I think their life was an adventure. And so they just kind of that trickled down. So they chose that themselves. They were cycle breakers in their own families of origin, and they chose to launch a new startup in their lives as an adventure. Yeah. But here's what I'm going to say. When you do go on an adventure, it's Mm -hmm. fun, 
but you also bring tools with you, right? You may have a backpack of stuff with you. If you're trekking across Europe, that's an adventure, right? You've got stuff in there that's going to help make that journey possible. And so that's, again, I relate that back to how change works. Tool up, bring with you what you need, learn what you need, get the skills that you need so that when the adventure comes, you're ready for it and you want to go, right? So we're going to go into some of those tools here in a second, but I actually want to poke at one thing that you said before, where you talked about the visceral part of how we respond to change, which I think I know what you're talking about when you say that, but I want to make sure the viewers and the listeners do as well. So when you're talking about visceral response to change, you're basically talking about an emotional change that we have. It doesn't even have to be, um, is it emotional? So let me, maybe the best way to do is to describe what I do for myself, right? So if I run up against something um, and I have a strong, I, I have a French Canadian background. So I have a tendency to have a bit of a passionate response to many things. Um, and I don't, I'm not, that's not an excuse. It just isn't is, right? It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> um, so what I do is if it's really passionate and it catches me off guard, cause I'm a fairly, actually, I'm really a fairly stable person. But if I have one of these things, it's like, I either get really excited about it or I get really fearful about it, or it's just like a strong. So in one way, yes, a strong emotional, like, whoa, a reaction. Mm -hmm. I take some time to boil that down and go, what is that? What am I reacting to? Because it's a circumstance, but clearly it's hitting something inside of me that is exciting, is fearful, is whatever it is. And so when I look at that, then I just peel the onions. Like I literally... It's just where I am in my stage of life now. I just have done a lot of this onion peeling over the years and figure out what is that. And then when I can identify what it is that I'm actually, you know, uh, responding to, then I have an opportunity to lens flip it to, Mm -hmm. you know, bring it up to the light. Is that really true? Is that really what's happening? And then I can move through things. So I pay attention, I guess, to things that are visceral to me when I have a strong reaction to something because I don't react strongly to everything. But when I have a strong reaction to something, I pay attention to it and deconstruct it and find out what it really is. Yeah. And you can totally tell me if you believe otherwise, but I believe a lot of, I mean, it's a stimulus response thing, right? So I do believe a lot of the response that we have to different things going on, come back to kind of what I alluded to before with some of our underlying belief systems. And I didn't even necessarily remember what was happening around change, around conflict, around, you know, some of these different things that we might have established very early on. But now when I'm presented with a change in my adult life, personally or professionally, I have this visceral, emotional, whatever you want to call it, response to it. But unless you've actually done some kind of work or some kind of insight where you can say, oh my God, I'm responding this way because that actually happened to me way back in the day. Um, You can't possibly then be able to move forward better from it. So do you see that the same way or do you see it any differently? Am I missing anything? No, you're not. You're bang on. I think that there's a lot of, we are what we were when, right? So how we responded when, but, but so not, but, and, you can take that visceral reaction as a learning opportunity. And that's why I say you bring that up to the light. So I don't think you squash it. I think you look at it, you Mm -hmm. expose it, you go, what is that about? Why am I reacting so strongly to this particular change? And okay, in fairness, we're all human. We're not going to do that in the moment. (laughs) But give yourself some time, 
go ahead and respond. That's okay. React. It's all good. But then if you really want to push your edge and find out more and expand your capability and your capacity and all that stuff, look at that stuff that triggers you. It's like a trigger. What triggers you, right? And say, is it valuable to me? Maybe it was valuable to you as a child. Is it still valuable to me, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it something I need to keep uh, responding to negatively or positive? Is it something that's worth keeping? And if not, expose it deal with it and then move forward with it. Right. So, so a lot of people, so that's when I say when we have a default about negativity towards change, Mm -hmm. maybe it's lack of control. Maybe it's, you know, find out what it is and maybe it's something that was done to you and not with you. And, you know, all of these things previously, not even in, in childhood, it can happen in adulthood as well too. Right. Where you, mm-hmm. I find that a lot people, you say change, it's like it's flavor of the month. I'm not doing it. Yada, yada. Because I think change was done really, really badly mm-hmm. uh, for many years in a command and control scenario. We're doing this follow up, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody, nobody likes to do that. But when you get involved in co-creating and you know, there's a, there's a co-ownership and a co-responsibility in the outcome, when you co-create the change that needs to happen, that's huge. Uh, and I think then there's there's also co-accountability. Like, okay, I helped create this thing. I'm also responsible to help bring it to life, whatever the change is in my own life or in business or however you want to do it. So based on what we're still going through now, when you talk about co-creation and co-accountability, how do you apply those concepts to something like a global pandemic where we have no, we're not co-creating, whether we're talking about mandates and rules and restrictions and just different things that are happening that we have no say in, how do we apply those same concepts to uncontrollable change where we're not an active participant? That's a really fair question and very relevant, right? So like I say, like I've said earlier, you cannot actually control change happening, but you can control how you manage it, right? Mm -hmm. So here's where the co-creation comes into play and Mm co-accountability. I'll use my own life as an example, right? So my business as a consulting business is one-on-one. I'm in your space. I breathe your air. I understand your culture. I help you alongside. Hello, COVID can't even get into a door anywhere for two years now. So what are my options, right? My options are, well, yeah, I can do some stuff virtually, which I have been doing, right? But it's more templated. It's not real. I'm not breathing everybody's air because everybody is not even in the same building anymore, right? They're all all over the place. So I actually took the opportunity probably, well, I've been thinking about for a while, but probably last summer, I'm like, you know what? Now might be a good time to just completely pivot the business. So what am I going to need to pivot the business? Okay, well, let's write a book about all the stuff that I've learned for 20 years. Cool. Done. 30 days. Check. Okay, now what? We're going to leverage that. Now develop an e-course and do it. So how I handle, I didn't create COVID or the response to COVID, but I took into control what I could control, which was my own destiny from a business perspective, right? And so... So back, so control is one of my challenges. I'll be honest with you, I'm transparent. And I think a lot of it is because change was done to me growing up. So I'm like, "Mm, okay, but I need to be able to change what I can change. So I'm bringing back that control into my space and I'm fine. Like we're sailing through, we're sailing through COVID to the best way that we can, because I can't stop COVID. I can't stop governments putting down restrictions. I can't stop all of that. And I don't know if you're familiar with what's happening in Canada, but just yesterday, we're back into lockdown again. Like it's insane, right? Like insane. So 
whatever. It is what it is. And we march on. My life doesn't stop because my externals are changing. I think that's the key. Internals don't change. Mm -hmm. My externals are changing. So now here's where the tools that I've developed growing up Mm -hmm. individually, also in a business, it's where they come into play, right? Mm -hmm. So you can't change the externals. You can only change the internals and how you respond to it. Does that answer the question for you? I like that. Yeah, no, it absolutely does. I mean, I I always just say control the controllables, you know, and it sounds really, really simple, but yeah, control what you can control. And and I'm going to ask one follow-up question on that because you you mentioned something to the effect of even if it was labeled as an adventure early on, change was happening to you instead of maybe you being a a co-participant in that. And you said something to the effect of, you know, I had, I was, I was trying to control too many things or, or I, I guess what I'm really curious about is have you recognized that even though it was an adventure and a lot of different change was happening, that that's actually came back and somehow, um, manifested itself in a bad way in your later life and that you're trying to control too many things. Um, did you ever have a circumstance like that? And was it hard for you to, cause I mean, it's common with a lot of you know, people that are listening to this right now, we're all type A driven, outperforming <laughs> overachievers, and we want to control all these different things in our life and we can't. So, um, you know, I'm just curious if, if you've had that happen to you. Oh, yeah. Like, welcome to the journey, right? Like, 100% welcome to the journey. And I think as I get older, Mm -hmm. um, there is an element of, um, I don't want to say it's like kind of like a live and let live, right? So control what I can control in my space. And, and, and I think this also happens the the longer that you, um, the more tools that you pick up over time, Mm You just start relying on the tools. So I recognize I actually can't control what what I control, what I can control, which is learning new things, which is picking up new tools, which is, uh, you know, trying to um, expand my capacity for resilience, expand my capacity for um, even taking on things. Right. Mm-hmm. Another great example. So I was in my mid 40s, actually, when I did decided to just go and do an MBA. Oh, I'll just do an MBA. Uh, okay. Um, I've still got family. I've still got uh, working full time. And I'm doing this kind of on the sidelines, 18 months of you talk about expanding your capacity. It was massive, right? Mm-hmm. Was it sustainable? Absolutely not. I think I've learned what my limits are. Um, but I would do it again in a heartbeat. I loved it so much, right? But it was just fully immersing me and stretching me in all kinds of areas. It wasn't just, uh, you know, in my educational piece, but it really was expanding. And and so I loved it. I look back at that and I loved it, but it was, um, I don't know where I was going with this. It was really, so the, uh, we were talking about the, the being able to just control what you can. I think I learned what my limit, I expanded my limits and I learned where my edges were. And so that is a good learning over time. And the MBA did that for me. I think that's probably the biggest stretch over, uh, you know, it was 18 months to two years I was doing that. So yes, it expanded me, but it also said, you know what? I don't need to live there. I don't need to live there anymore. It's good. I know where my edge is. I'm okay here. It doesn't mean I stopped growing. It just means, okay, that, that was, there was a cost. There was a high cost to living that far on the edge. And so 
yeah, I matured a little bit and kind of, okay, I don't need to live on the edge, edge, edge all the time. Yeah, I think that's a good way of labeling it is there was a high cost to it. Yeah. Because yeah. there, yeah, there is for all of us. Uh, so I want to come back to something you've obviously said a number of times, and I know that you've given some different tools already, but I just want to make sure that it's pretty clear for people that are saying, you know what, Robin, um, okay, you're talking about how I have to be adaptable and thrive through change and be flexible and everything else. I need tools in my toolbox. I need tools in my backpack. My toolbox, my backpack are freaking empty. Like I, I have no tools. Like where can you start someone on just, yes, you do actually have more tools than you think. Yeah. You just aren't necessarily looking at them correctly. Um, <clears throat> give maybe one or two different ways that people can, can identify that they actually have a tool in their toolbox, tool in their backpack. Well, I think hindsight is a beautiful gift that we all have, right? And one of the things I talk about in my book is doing something I call a thread narrative. So if you've lived long enough, you can look backwards and you see sort of the pivot points of, you know, decisions that were made. And, and I think it's kind of good to look back at some of that stuff and decide why, why did I go this way instead of that way? What was my motivator? Think about the motivations that got you going. And you will be surprised. You will find some common threads. That's the thread narrative of our life, right? You will find some common uh, reasons for doing it, right? So in full transparency, I'll just tell you, uh, it, it, it often boils down to what your core values are. And you can take that and use that towards change as well. So case in point. Uh, my, I have, I've boiled down my core values into three, pretty much three basic things. So when I have a visceral, visceral reaction, it's because it's often hitting one of my core values, good or bad. Right. Mm -hmm. So my core values are, um, respect, huge, mm -hmm. um, injustice is another one and, um, having a spirit of generosity and generosity is not just money generosity is time it's uh sharing it's you know it's whatever it's just being generous in life right generous mm -hmm. of who you are and what you are so uh when i look back at some of the changes and some of the the choices that i made in my life i realized i aligned to it was about aligning to my core values as i was going through so if we take it back to your original question which is what are some of the tools that you have well first i would identify what your core values are right? And then like change is good, but you need to be able to align that change somehow to your core values. I, 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 we're taking something really complex and I'm trying to simplify it because that's one of my favorite quotes. Simplicity lays on the other side of complexity. But, but basically if, if, if you're, okay, let's take the narrative of change. If you're in the middle of change or change is coming and you're just feeling overwhelmed by it, take the opportunity to really dig in and find out what is it that's hitting you at the core value of that. And if you can align that to a thread narrative, oh, I've been here before. This feels familiar. This will be part of your thread narrative going backwards. You go, yeah, this happened to me again. Now you have an opportunity to look at that, identify it and say, do I want to dance the same dance or can I do something different to get a different response to this, right? What can I control in that? Because I don't believe you can actually change your core values. I think your core values are your core values. It's who you are. Mm -hmm. That's a good question to have. I have not run into anybody who's done that yet. I think a lot of people don't understand or know their core values. But when you know that, it's who you are. So embrace it. It's who you are. Yeah. It, Do you it recommend just, coming up with three? 
Like, do you have people just kind of, what are your three core values? So it goes back to that peeling the onion thing. You'll mm-hmm. see people. And I've, I've actually asked that of a number of people, like, what are your core values? And you, it, it's more, um, they'll say something and then you can just peel that onion one more time. No, go a little deeper. Is it really that go a little deeper? Is it really that until you, I talk about that actually in my, um, in my book, the, the using that concept of the five whys. I don't know if you, you saw that yet, but that's one of the tools that I put out there. Here's a tool for you yeah. using the five whys. Uh, very briefly, I'll tell you the story of the five whys. It's a legitimate thing that happened at the Lincoln Memorial. There were, there was uh, the Lincoln Memorial was actually deteriorating. This was, this is legit. It was deteriorating. And so they brought in a bunch of engineers and said, look, we've got to, you know, why is this? We, we need to fix this because we need to keep the, preserve this memorial. So what the engineers did, I love engineers. I'm married to one. I love it. They just decided to ask questions. God and bless asked, engineers. <laughs> God bless engineers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we'll just stop there. Yeah, um, right. Well, that, that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so they asked the question, well, why, why is this memorial deteriorating? Well, it's deteriorating because we have to put these harsh chemicals on to clean all of this um, these bird droppings. Well, why do we have bird droppings here? Well, the birds are actually coming to eat a bunch of spiders that are just like in much like a bird buffet. Like they're coming here to eat these spiders and they just love it. And they're leaving droppings all over the place. And they're going, well, why are there all these spiders at the Lincoln Memorial? Well, there's these beautiful little bugs called midges. They're actually called, it's called the midge study. There's these midges and these midges, it's like a spider buffet. There's midges like everywhere, right? And so the spider, the midges come and the spiders eat the midges and the birds eat the spiders and they leave the droppings and the memorial is deteriorating. And so then the engineer is going, well, why are all these midges hanging out here? Well, the answer is because the lights that shine up on the Lincoln Memorial come on at dusk. And that is when the midges wanna come out. They're attracted to the light. So they swarm around the lights. And they love it. So do you know what the solution was to the deteriorating memorial? Turn off the lights or do something different with the lights? It was turn the lights on an hour later after dusk. Bam. No more midges, no more spiders, no more birds, no more droppings, no more chemicals, no more deterioration of the memorial. I mean, I love that. So that goes back to when you're asking questions about core values, keep asking why it's actually called the five whys. If you get down to about five layers of whys, mm-hmm. you'll probably get to a core value. So if you say your, your, your core value is um, mm, happiness, we'll just say that, right? Something like, that. well, why is it happiness? Break it down. And why is it that break it down, break it down, break it down. And then at the end, maybe it's, uh, you know, it ends up being, I don't know, maybe it, maybe it ends up being uh, respect. I mean, it could be that. To me, respect, I can't break down respect any further. Respect is respect. It's just, mm-hmm. It just speaks volumes to me. So when you can no longer break it down, you've probably hit a core value. Yeah, yeah. And anyway. I, I, lo- I love that peeling back of the onion. I mean, yeah. it's funny. We use so many of the same um, common threads or, or common language as far as how we label things. But yeah. I always just say, yeah, we got to peel back that psychological onion. I don't know that everyone really wants to do it because nope. uh, you don't know what you're going to find in there. But it, I mean, in my world, if we're talking about peak performance, and I think in your world, if we're talking about thriving through change and getting the best out of people, 
there's gold in there. And the next level of performance and being able to get the best out of yourself lies in a greater understanding that can only really be accomplished by peeling back that onion. And you know what you do when you find the core, the core of the onion or the core values, they become your drivers, whether you're conscious of it or not, they are your drivers. And so that's why I even do this exercise with businesses. What are you here for business? Let's peel it back. Right. And that becomes now your driver for any kind of change, any kind of, you know, pivots, anything that you do, it has to align to those core values in business. You don't get into business unless you're solving some kind of problem. Find out how it is that you want to solve that problem, right? What's the, what's the, um, what are your drivers for, right? How do you want to be known how in doing that? Yeah. And then whatever change you do has to align. Otherwise it's going to be a disconnect. Yeah. You need that compass or you need something that aligns you, that lets you know, I'm going in the right direction. And rather than I'm just going blindly wherever you don't know if you're going in the right direction. Yeah, I always say it resonates, right? So those who know it, know it. Like, you know it in your knower. And it just kind of like, oh, yeah, this feels right. I, it, it, it doesn't matter what the external is. As long as it resonates with the internal, you're like, move. Move in that direction. That's where you yeah. need to. So I was actually going to close out with this question, but I will ask it now. Um, just because I've been asking it a lot of my coaching clients. What is one word that is going to define your 2022. I don't know if it's just going to be your three core values of respect and justice and generosity. Do you have anything else that when you look at planning out your year personally and professionally, you say, this is how I'm going to make sure that I do it. Yeah. My word is courage. Mm, Mine is bold which is kind of, I mean, I, but I use those terms almost synonymously. I created a video yesterday that was talking about, yeah, being bold and courageous. So curious, why is that your word? Because I think it's kind of, um, it, it just, it's a good reminder for me, right? Again, it goes right back to my little life begins on the edge, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not about living on the edge, but it's a little bit about pushing your edge, right? With, with some, some good boundaries, but don't be afraid. I feel at this point, how do you, how do you, um, how do you live out courage? How do you embrace courage? The way you do it is actually by tooling up. It's not about taking on a bunch of scary things that, I mean, that could be it, but then you end up being really scared. But if you tool up and then be open, that's a courageous move, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a controlled courageousness, maybe. Does that make sense? Like yeah. there's an element, I can control what I learn, what I take on, and I will. So for example, pivoting into a whole digital sphere and digital marketing and all of the other stuff, brand new to me. Like seriously, I've never had to do this, yeah. but I'm yeah. embracing it, right? And I'm learning as I go and the learnings are all good and I'm making mistakes. I'm learning. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think courage is good just to do it. Just keep stepping regardless of the externals drive the internals and move forward. Yeah. And one of my favorite quotes that I'm probably going to completely butcher and I can't remember who said it, maybe you'll know, but it was something like courage is not the absence of fear. It's the triumph over it, I believe, because I think it was one of the generals, I think that said that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, but it's just something like, I think sometimes when people are thinking about, oh, I want to be courageous or I want to be bold, that means that I shouldn't have any of the butterflies in my stomach. I shouldn't have any of the fear going on. Like if that's happening, something's wrong and that's a bad thing. And it's no, even the the highest performers in any area on the planet have those same exact things. 
their why and maybe their internals, their purpose, their courage, however you look at it, just happens to be the thing that triumphs over whatever is going on this other side, kind of a, the of the teeter-totter, if that makes sense. A hundred percent. And it's interesting. I mean, is it Brene Brown, right? That, that defines courage as wholehearted. So be wholehearted in what you do. Go after it. Doesn't mean it's going to work out. And actually, even when I work with businesses to define visions, statements and stuff for where they want to go, I go, look, if you don't look at that statement and go, I'm not sure if we can do that, then it's not good enough. Yeah. There has to be a, oh my gosh, that is just a little out of reach. Mm-hmm. Not ridiculously out of reach, but a little out of reach. Yeah. Because otherwise, why would you get up in the morning? Who, who cares? It's not a vision, right? It's not a forward movement. Yeah. Amen. Totally agree. Yeah. One question here as we start to close up, but so much of what I've seen work in my own life and in, in some of my clients' lives is, you know, anytime change is going on, I think two things that we can cling to are structure and progress in our lives. So yeah. progress, maybe it's what you just said before, feeling like we're actually winning each day and we're making, we're moving the ball down the field towards a meaningful outcome. And then the structure part of it, having some routines for results. So I'm going to go to the structure part for you and just ask, when you look at your own life, just day-to-day life on a micro level, whatever it might be, what do you think are some of the best routines that have really served you to be able to get you to where you are today? Ah, that's a great question. Well, I'll I'll start by saying I'm a morning person. So... um, Mm -hmm. Mornings are definitely my zone, but I don't do anything probably the first hour after I get up. I mean, I have a coffee. I may read, you know, some of the, one of the news highlights. I may meditate a little bit, but I take that first hour to just kind of go, okay, let me just get ready for this day. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually, I'm, believe it or not. I mean, I, I, maybe it's my military. Maybe it's just me. Uh, military background, or maybe it's just me. I love uh, a structure. Like I love a structure, but, but um, because structures to me, they're like um, uh, trigger in the best sense of the word. Right. So when I go through all of this stuff, all of a sudden my mind and my body, my soul is like, okay, good. We've done this, this, and this, we're ready to go. So taking that hour in the morning and in the summertime when I'm up in Canada, so we're not doing it in January, but in the summertime, I often will just sit on my back deck and listen to the birds come alive. Like it's just the world is starting again and we go. So I think taking that pause is important. I think, um, and then I have, you know, a bit of a structure to my routine. There's times when I do intensive work, 10 o'clock in the morning is my sweet spot. Mm -hmm. I can get a bazillion stuff, but I also know about diminishing returns. So I don't, you know, you won't catch me six o'clock at night doing the same stuff I'm doing six o'clock in the morning because diminishing returns is, you know, doing the same thing and getting less and less product out of it. So um, I'm smart about my time. I think if you work, if you're working crazy, you may want to relook at the way that you're working because I think Mm -hmm. you can work smart and get as much done, uh, if not more, just understanding how your body works and, and your timings and stuff like that. So yeah, and my, I, well, actually, my next book is called Margins that I'm going to be starting in February. And, and the whole idea of margins is actually putting margins in your life. And that sounds dead boring, but it's actually not. What it means is 
If we allow margins, mar if you think about, I, I don't want to do a, a big pitch on this, but uh, this is where my head is playing right now. If you think about the role of margins in our lives, and if you're of a certain vintage, you remember doing the handwriting with you when you were a kid in school, and you always had a margin, and the teacher always made the corrections and the red letters and all of that stuff in the margin, right? Mm -hmm. So, so margins are actually a great thing because it's an opportunity for course correction. So where are the margins in your life? What are your margins in your work life? What are the margins in your uh, financial life? What are the margins in your family life, right? So I build my life with margins and I allow the spontaneity for things that need to happen and the course correction to happen with those margins of time. So when I'm talking about margins, I'm talking about time in my work, uh, financials. I don't work towards the edge. I always bring buffer zones, you know, like you live within your means, all of these other kinds of things. So that to me, in my day, I have work, but I also have margin times for the spontaneous, the phone call, the um, not everything is structured. Mm -hmm. Probably that's the long way of saying not everything is structured. I have a structured morning. I start, I get going. Uh, I have, you know, some things to do during the day, but, but I often, I look for those windows of opportunity that are my margins because the sweet stuff happens in there, like really sweet stuff. It's a conversation, it's a phone call, it's, you know, uh, an email, it's a text, it's a touch point, it's a learning opportunity, like, I love those. So I look forward to the margins, whatever happens in my margins during my day as well. Do you intentionally plan those margins or that time for spontaneous activity? Or does that just happen based on when you're recording a podcast or when you're working with a company and some of the other things that you do? So yes and yes. I mean, I, I, I love the engagement with people, but I also do actually, I protect, my, so time is, is a huge thing for me. So I, I think time is the only non-renewable resource we have. And so how we spend it is really important. So I choose to build in margin time. So I won't do back to back to back to back to back to back to back meetings. I put in a half hour space in between so that I can get my head ready or whatever needs to happen, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's an element of, I'm not packing it. I'm not packing my day. Mm -hmm. And yes, I am a triple A kind of individual. So this was a learning for me because I didn't always do this. <laughs> um, but I see the value in it, right? Because when you pack it back to back to back, you know, at the end of the day, you've ticked a bunch of boxes, but really, what have you done? Yeah. What have you done? Really, what has been meaningful? What has fed your soul? What soul have you fed? You know, those kind of things. So yeah, that's that's my next book coming up. We'll have another podcast on that one. Uh, we absolutely will. Yeah. I mean, to me, a lot of what you're describing is the difference between being busy and being productive. You, know, oh, I like you can that. find yeah. productivity however you want, but a lot of just, oh, I'm just checking boxes, checking things off my to-do list, scheduling yeah. back to back to back to back to back, and you're just running the rat race and doing a lot of stuff so you feel kind of good. But really, at the end of the day, you don't have the results you want in different areas of your life because yeah. um, it's not really time well invested, I think. So That's right. forward it's to the book. Good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Sounds yeah. great. So where would you like um, viewers and listeners to go to uh, be able to learn a little bit more about you, what you do, if you could potentially help them? Um, where can they find you? Yeah, well, so um, it's just my name, actually, robinvandekloot.com. I'm assuming you'll probably just drop that into the, yeah. into the, the uh, 
Podcast. It'll all be in the show notes. Yeah, yep. all yep. the show. That's the best. You'll see the book there. I'm actually just going to launch the um, go live with the uh, e-courses this month as well. Oh. So it'll be a little, that's the easiest one-stop shop. If you go there, you'll see some of the blogs and stuff that I've done and learn a little bit about me and maybe what, you know, uh, maybe some of this stuff might be helpful for you. It's just really my perspective on change and yeah. and uh, with some tangible tools and kind of what I've learned from lots of folks over the last 20 years, I've sort of just combined into this e-course and this book. So it might be helpful for so, some folks. Yeah. And to give you a plug for it, um, especially talking about unfinished business, um, make change work for you and not against you. I haven't read the whole thing, but from what I have read, I really like the way that it's written. It's very, it's a very easy read, much like a lot of the outperform books. Um, nice. So, nice. And, and I like the stories that you weave in throughout um, personal and professional. I, I would highly recommend the people that are listening, go check it out. Um, I assume on social, are you just under your oh. name as well? Yeah. So yes, I'm on Instagram, Facebook. Um, yeah. Come find me there. Twitter. I do. I think probably my primary is uh, probably Instagram and I'm doing most of uh, stuff on. So yeah. Cool. All right. Yep. All those links in the show notes. And as we close up here, uh, we want to thank you for your time, Robin, but any other parting shots or words of wisdom that you would like to leave with the listeners? Yeah, I want to I want to shock him a little bit and say think about this. What if change is good? What if it's good? How does that change your frame around it? And I'm not here to convince you, but I'm here to kind of look back and think. If you look back, it's, let's do a thread narrative of our civilization. If we look at industrial revolutions, which were massive blow-ups of how we did to work and lived and existed and survival, that's massive change. And Scott, you and I could not be doing what we're doing today over a computer had that not happened, right? So change the narrative a little bit on, on change and see what it does for you. If change was good, how would you respond differently to it? That's awesome. I'm not even going to say anything else. I'm just going to leave that as a mic drop moment. What if change is good? I mean, really, it's... It doesn't need to be any more complex than that, but I think yeah. to stop and ask that question, what if change is good? So Robin, thank you so much for your time, for your wisdom. I know everybody appreciates it. Um, go out. We can't wait to see the margins book um, and keep crushing it. Thank you for all you do. Thank you so much. It's been a delight. All right. To everybody it. listening, keep outperforming. Have a great day. Hello, Outperformers. Three more quick things before we sign off here today. First and foremost, thank you so much for listening to this episode. I understand how many different podcasts are out there, and I do not take a single second of your time for granted because time is truly our most valuable asset. It is our most precious commodity, and I appreciate you taking that time and you spending it with us here today. Second, if you found value in this podcast, maybe you've noticed, but podcasting has gotten quite popular as of late. And if you would like to help support the Outperforming Movement and the Outperform Podcast, one of the best ways that we can get it found is for you to give it a favorable review and rating on whatever your favorite podcasting platform happens to be. So head on over to iTunes, head on over to Google Play, and give it a favorable review. 
And while you do that, also share it with someone else that you know that is just like you, is driven by growth and wanting to be the best personally and professionally in every single thing that they do. Number three, if you want even more tools and tips and strategies to be able to be your best personally and professionally, head on over to scottwelly.com. That's S-C-O-T-T-W-E-L-L-E. There are loads of different resources for you on everything from goal setting and grit to resiliency and focus to confidence and motivation and routines and habits and everything that you can possibly imagine to help you be your absolute best every single day, personally and professionally. Once again, if you'd like to access those free resources, head on over to scottwelly.com, S-C-O-T-T-W-E-L-L-E. So as I sign off, thank you again for spending your time with me here today. Keep outperforming and as always, wish you the best of health, happiness, and high performance. Have a great day.